You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Double your pleasure, double your fun. No, it's not. Voyager Prime Factors Redo. We just covered that episode on Mission Log last week. It's 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and that means it's time for Mission Log Live. I'm Norman Lau. And I'm John Champion, and yes, your ears don't deceive you. Tonight, you're getting all of the hosts of Mission Log for a very special episode of Mission Log Live as we wrap up Picard Season 2 with our current Mission Log Live guest co-host, Holly Amos, and then launch Strange New World Season 1 with our very special new guest host who will be with us here to cover this brand new series. Ah, hi. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> oh, it's time to say farewell as we recap and discuss the finale finale of Star Trek Picard season two. It's pretty satisfying to wrap up that season, right? Or I mean, did it leave you with more questions and speculative and I don't know. What do you guys think is going to happen in season three? Uh, as always, we want to hear from you in the Facebook chat and live with us. You know what to do. Click on the Zoom link or give us a ring. Uh, by using the one tap from your smartphone, or you can call us at 669-968-33, enter the meeting code and the password, and you will be in the Earl Green Room. Yes. So there is so much to cover tonight, and we want to get right to it. So I'll just very quickly say hello to the uh, the massive and growing audience in our chat over here. There's Jane, there's Dave, there's other Dave, there's Bob Amos, of other course. <laughs> there's Carlos, uh, there's Alan, let's see here, there is Carly, there's Nick, uh, Nick, who I'll be seeing actually in person very soon, there's Julian, there's Matthew, um, and and our friend Scott Palm, good to see you, Scott, and he says, new hairdo norm? Indeed, it is. You like? Got so much cool product in it right now, it's so LA, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and right away, Spencer is saying, oh, so long, Holly. But don't worry, because Holly will, of course, be back. And that's part of the magic of Mission Log Live is we get to bring in new guest co-hosts every time there is a new series. Uh, but, you know, we'll be back for more Picard. We'll be back for more Discovery. So there will, of course, be more Holly. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes there's fun things. Like, Holly, I still remember when we got to do the uh, uh, queue for a day. Uh, we, we get to do some fun, like weird, uh, ultra lightning round episodes. So, you know, yeah. we'll be back. Oh, yeah. 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 It'll be fun. All right. Now, uh, this week on mission log on all the mission logs, there are many of them. Our coverage of Voyager continues on Thursday with state of flux. Yeah. It's the, uh, the pleasure planet. And it's where we learn to never, ever disappoint Captain Janeway. Now, you may not know that Mission Log, The Orville, and Mission Log Prodigy are both shows that you can download as podcasts, but watch as videos, beautifully, lovingly produced by our very own technical director, Earl Green. So if you want to catch up on recent episodes like the Orville interview with uh, writer-producer David Goodman, and and we're dropping uh, Andre Bormanis this week, and it is a Ooh. great interview. So many cats discussed in that interview i previewed it today just go to podcast.ronberry.com click on the show of your choice and you can find the audio feed as well as the link to our youtube channel um and also while you're at youtube youtube.com slash roddenberry entertainment check out the mission log engage playlist more of those dropping that's where norm and i answer your questions and comments again all of that at youtube.com slash roddenberry entertainment or roddenberry prod Make sure you stay in touch with all of our podcasts at podcast.roddenberry.com. 
So much to cover, guys. So much to cover. I think we already have some callers. So, Norman, if you will uh, do us the great honor of recapping the season two finale of Star Trek Picard. I have just enough energy for one more recap. Oh, and, and then he's gone. <laughs> season two, episode 10, Farewell. To save the future, the present needs two Rene Picards, the one who lives and the one who dies. Rios, Raffi, and Seven head to Sung's home while Talon and Jean-Luc teleport to Europa Mission Control to protect Rene. Jean-Luc tries to talk out Talon out of sacrificing herself to save Rene, but she firmly reminds him that that is not his place. Soon after infiltrating the base, Talon invades security and begs Rene to hear her out. In Sung's lab, Rios, Raffi, and Seven try to disarm four attack drones programmed to take out the Europa rocket as Sung fails to kill Rene, literally by his own hand. At Europa base, Sung uses his influence to pass through secure areas and finally tracks down Rene. Placing a supportive hand on her cheek, he poisons her with a neurotoxin. Mission accomplished, or was it? As the away team overrides and destroys the attack drones, Talon, who Sung poisoned earlier, disguised as Rene, dies in Picard's arms. The real Rene is on board her ship, and the future is now intact. In his lab, Sung helplessly watches as Corey deletes all of his data from a remote location. Accepting defeat, he pulls a file folder from his desk, which is simply labeled Project Khan. <laughs> Later, Corey is discovered by a very familiar bearded stranger who introduces himself as w Simple Traveler. He invites Corey into a collective of those who ensure history unfolds as it should. At Chateau Picard, all are preparing to return to their restored future. Raffi and Seven are on the mend in more ways than one. But Rios is struggling with leaving Teresa and Ricardo. Alone in the catacombs of the estate, Picard places the skeleton key in the hiding place where his future young self will find it and the pain that is linked to this heirloom. Q finally appears and reveals all. He is dying and wanted to give Jean-Luc the means to free himself from the shackles of his past. This is what this entire trial was all about. Q did not want to die alone and wanted Jean-Luc to realize that for himself as well. And with one final snap of his life's energy, Q sends everyone back to the present, except for Rios, who chooses to stay behind with his new family. On the Stargazer in 2401, Picard shuts down the auto-destruct orders the crew to stand down, and offers the Borg Queen, Dr. Agnes Girardi, a chance to explain. She represents the new collective and needs the entirety of Starfleet's fleet to shield the Delta Quadrant from a galactic-ending event. Picard promotes Seven to full captain of the Stargazer and vouches for Agnes's plan, allowing the Borg and Starfleet to work together. After neutralizing the threat, a transwarp conduit forms and Agnes asks for Federation membership so the Borg can become the guardians of this new transwarp gate. Later in 10 Forward, Los Angeles, Guinan thanks Picard for his wisdom in 2024 and tells him that Rios, Teresa, and Ricardo achieved great humanitarian deeds through their organization, the Mariposas, Spanish for butterflies, and a nod to Rios's butterfly effect through time. With one last toast, Picard takes his leave of all, especially Elnor, who was alive and well thanks to Q. Back at Chateau Picard, Jean-Luc finds Laris with bags packed and ready to leave, standing in the newly restored solarium. He holds her by the hands and discusses second chances with her of a future now free from the shackles of his past. The end. 
Oh, man. Well done, Norman. And uh, normally I would just go around the panel here and say, what did you think? What about this? What about that? Uh, but we have so many callers, and I am very pleased with that. So I say we get right into the calls tonight and uh, start chatting, because then we'll probably get a lot of those people calling back to talk about Strange New Worlds. So uh, this is the best part of the show for us, the host, because now the callers take over and we just sit back. Uh, Earl says it's like Hollywood Squares in the Earl Green Room. So we're going to welcome our first square, and that is Chris. Welcome, Chris. How are you doing or, tonight? Or Holly Amos Squares. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what's happening tonight, Chris? How are <laughs> hey, you? Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, glad to be the official first square. I'm going to get that on a T-shirt, um, definitely. <laughs> But yeah, nice. um, this was a good a good thing. I enjoyed it. I have sort of made peace that like even if the narrative stuff, all the timey wimey stuff, we were sort of playing fast and loose with, they resolved a lot of the the emotional beats very well in the back half here of this episode. So you do emotional beats well. I will forgive you for timey wimey nonsense. And yeah, I a good time. I like specifically. I don't think it was necessarily intentional in universe, but the idea that Rios sort of, quote-unquote, sacrificed himself in order to give Rafi Elnor back. Like, I think that in a roundabout way is a kind of nice little beautiful thing, which is a takeaway I had. Let me let me ask all of you, because you mentioned something about the emotional beats and the timey-wimey stuff not really mattering to you as much. Um, I keep going back and forth with... Picard, definitely, and some of the other modern treks as well, where I feel like because of these long, you know, season-long story arcs, you have this really mismatched pacing where you're trying to cram a lot of story into just a few episodes, and that leaves a few epi other episodes that feel really sluggish. And I felt like the emotional beats here definitely did have a payoff, but I wondered, were they helped or hindered by the time it took to get there. Like if you add up all the Q scenes in this entire season, really not that, is it maybe like two episodes worth if, if it was sort of like under that. normal production? Yeah. yeah. So do, do you think that it, were those beats better earned? Were they less well earned? I guess what I'm asking is, would you have liked to have seen the storylines in this and the character uh, arcs in this played out differently than the, you know, 10 episode long arc with all of these various plot threads. I, I think that's a tough question to answer when you consider how much each storyline is intertwined with the others. Mm. Right. Because it was when they introduced Soong, it was like, what the hell does he have to do with anything? And then as it turns out, like he buys himself a seat on the board so that he could try to get Renee off of the launch. Yeah. Like it wasn't just his story. Well, that that's very true, but let let me ask you, let let me like if I pointed out something in this episode that kind of took me out of it, all the stuff back at Sung's uh Malibu Dream Home, mm -hmm. uh the the uh hexagon uh dream palace. <laughs> hexagons uh, means future. Hexagons and yes. glitter mean well, future. <laughs> I am told by somebody very smart that hexagons are the best agons. Uh, oh hey, so, that's a t shirt. Uh -huh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, um, but like the whole thing with the drones and he's throwing them off his trail by having, like, you honestly could have excised all of that. 
you know, it, it, it really had very little bearing on anything. You could have found another way to get from point A to point B in a couple of sentences without necessarily building up another technical thing to have drama over. And I feel like there were a lot of places in the season that kind of did. I, I said that when we talked about the very Mission Impossible sequence in um, uh, at the launch party, you know, the pre-quarantine party. It's like mm -hmm. you only need to get the characters from here to here. But we're going to do a whole episode Mission Impossible style. Not that I dislike Mission Impossible to get us there. I mean, so I'm wondering if I have never done this before. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I've, I've rewatched shows and, and this is only, you know, a, a 10 series at what an average of like 42 ish minutes per episode. I've never watched them like in a row, like block out an amount, amount of time to watch the entire thing in a row. So I'm wondering if even with, you know, some of these contrivances that they have, and maybe there's more action and adventure than there should be, you know, um, uh, you know, dialogue and, and plot, you know, uh, structure, maybe it doesn't seem as wildly inconsistent if it's all watched at once. Mm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I've never done it before. So I don't know if out there, you know, if chat, you know, if you want to weigh in on that, but it, <laughs> For instance, when I rewatched, say, Prodigy, that entire thing had an incredible momentum behind it because I did rewatch it all at once for a podcast, but I've never yeah. done it for Discovery or Picard. So I don't know how that would play out from, again, just a momentum standpoint of, of the narrative. Yeah. And, and look, I, I didn't bring that up to sound uh, grumpy about the, the things that we got of value out of this episode. I feel like this is something that's been kind of brewing the entire time I've been watching the season. And this one, I felt like... It was such a strong moment with Q. Like that was such a good, that, that is truly the heart of this episode, if not the whole season. I felt that those moments made it so worth it. Um, especially that scene in the solarium before they get outside and he snaps them back into the future. I thought that was so absolutely touching and heartfelt and earned. Are you, does it surprise you? Uh, a, a little bit because uh, not because John Delancey is any slouch. I mean, he's freaking amazing and he's yeah. fabulous, you know, but I felt like the, the direction that the show drives you in is all of the, uh, the intrigue, the subterfuge. Here's the mustache twirling bad guy. Here are the drones. Here's the ship that needs to go off. Uh, who is Talen? Uh, what's happening in Picard's mind? Like there's all these other things to follow. You know what I do like, though, mm -hmm. is that we originally expected that Q was going to be the mustache twirling bad guy. And it ended uh, up being Soong. Mm -hmm. And what surprised me is that he was Q was written as an antagonist. Sure. By Gene. And now we're at a point where he's like, I love you, Jean-Luc. Bye. And I was oh. like, that's yeah. unexpected. Did, did I, cried, he... I cried ugly man tears pretty hard during that scene. <laughs> I really did. It was just You're... beautiful. Delancey, he kills his scenes. Every single scene he's in. He really does. Your man tears are beautiful man tears, Norman. Um, are they? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Did, so did, did Q change because he found out that he was dying or was this something in him all the time he just couldn't express i mean i think little column a little column b i yeah. would think yeah is that because he, he was never malicious in next gen he was prankstery and trickstery but he always well, there was a lesson to be taught and he was he was doing what he thought was the right thing in order to better jean-luc and his folks. So yeah, I think the, the, the coming mortality 
perhaps elevated what is i think it's 207 or 208 where he's like can one act redeem a lifetime and he's sort of like looking at his ledger of what have i what have i done and so yeah i yes the the, the sort of reverse heel turn of q not being the bad guy and this whole thing actually being about self-acceptance and love i thought that was that's a good mystery box when the yeah. mystery box is mm-hmm. love yourself <laughs> right Right. Of course, you know, none of this would have happened if, you know, Q had just shown up and said, uh, hi, Jean-Luc, we haven't seen each other in years. I'm dying. Let's talk. <laughs> or or if the Borg Queen had, like, sent an email uh, before just Something's showing Something's going to destroy everything. Help. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm here to help. So, I mean, then we wouldn't have an entire season of entertainment. That's very true. They, they do have a penchant for drama. Both uh, Q and the Borg Queen. Chris, thank you very much for calling in. I imagine you might have some things to say about Strange New Worlds, so maybe we'll see you a little later tonight. If Yo, not, most definitely. Uh, most all right. Definitely. <laughs> all right. Excellent. Well, take care, my friend. And, uh, oh, calling in, uh, wow, on the early side of things tonight, uh, we got Sam. Sam, who I'm sure will have something to Sam. blow our minds. Oh, yeah. We're not in the bottom half of the hour. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 Uh-oh. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I got in for the last Picard. <laughs> uh, yeah, t- 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 I I know it's the mechanics to get the story going, but I got to talk about the timelines one more time. Oh, sure. please, <laughs> yes, because right. well, we expect nothing less. Got, it got taken crazy. I've got I got to get a chart. I got to. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the short answer is, as was stated last week, Q stuff. That's actually what it comes down to. (laughs) I can't logic my way through this. So I'm just going to say what I see. Um, I see three timelines. I see the original timeline that we saw in the first episode that we would think is the the prime one. Prime, yeah. Uh, There's the Confederation timeline. Mm -hmm. And then there's the timeline that we see in the last episode where it seems like the original but it's not. No. Right. So okay. So it is. It is the sexy McFly timeline. It, yes. It's, it's Back to the Future two. Well, end of one, where it's uh, handsome George uh, mm-hmm. uh, and and fit uh, Lorraine and uh, their brother. You know, uh, Marty's brother is not in jail. That's yeah. It's, it, it's sexy. It's sexy McFly timeline. They just want to stay there mm-hmm. as right. Marty should have. Yeah. Okay. But we have a time loop problem that oh, means no. that all three have to exist so oh, it's oh, not no. that one existed then the next then the next which is what it felt like was happening yeah none of them can exist without each other right so well, isn't i mean that's that's multiverse yeah right? so it is a multiverse yeah. so the confederation is still out there Ooh. doing its thing without general Dude. picard because he left Multiverse, it had, it so hot right exist. now. It, it is hot right now. <laughs> They're <laughs> so everywhere right, right now. now. <laughs> um, yeah, because and it, but the last one is so weird because every like there was some little points where you could try and think. For instance, when Guinan says the picture was there all along, there's mm-hmm. a version of that where you could say. The picture was there all along in this third timeline, but that's because they all remember it happening. And it, maybe it wasn't there in the first one. I don't see that's what's going on because Guinan would actually notice that. But you could kind of think your way out of some of those things like that. 
But there's a few things like the bullet holes, for instance, where Picard remembers them before they go back. And the fact that Jurati's the Borg Queen. Like, none of that could right. happen without the other stuff. And that was already there in the prime, quote, prime. Well, prime yeah. Line. I mean, so right. that's a good example is like we saw. Yeah the Borg queen at the beginning when they're, when they're in prime, but it, now we know that it was Jurati. Right. That couldn't have happened if they hadn't gone back in time, but that was the way even Rio says something like maybe this is the way it's always supposed to be with him staying behind and Jurati going off in Delta quadrant. And well, but but hang on in the prime timeline, in the prime timeline, that wasn't Jurati queen because Agnes Jurati was already extant in that timeline so that borg queen is that not the same borg queen who is in the confederation timeline so it, because it, we had to create jurati queen it, it is it is uh, both it is the creation <laughs> it it yeah. is it is the jurati plus alternate borg queen again yeah. that's what and minus rios <laughs> yeah yeah, right? yeah minus rios yeah well so yeah. there's Where captain rios go on oh, he just disappeared he's just whatever yeah that, <laughs> that, that he got a truck a, you got a truck. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what makes it a th- <laughs> yeah. that's what makes it a third alteration is because everyone remembers that Rios was the captain two seconds ago. Yeah. And I then was, he was gone. I was wondering yeah. that. I was like Picard was like, you know, stay on like do your job. And I was like, but okay, but, but writers- when we're through this, people are gonna be like, Hey, now that the drama is over and we can have a discussion, where did he go? The writers yeah. really should have had the cast take a picture yeah. so that they, they take that picture with them and see like, okay, Rios is disappearing from history, from this timeline. There right? you go. That's and they know exactly it. which version of the timeline they're in based on who exists in the photo. It's and whether or not he knows the lyrics to Johnny Be Good. That's Jim and exactly. chat, yeah. chat says I, I Schrodinger's Durati. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think Rios disappears from history in the third timeline. I just think he disappears right. from Q snapping him away. Right. Right. Yeah, because right, he right. uses the energy yeah. to... Yeah. Yeah. There's also the little thing of, of Rafi is on the Stargazer. Yeah, that would have been weird to everyone. How'd she end up there? She was supposed oh, to. Be, she was originally yeah. on the Excelsior. Q, yeah. Q snapped her to the Stargazer. Well, right. she had to be in that last scene. <laughs> yeah, and, Elnor, and Elnor and, and left Elnor on the. On the well, but that was a big Elnor reveal and yeah. her hailing the Excelsior, which, by the way, is still an ugly ship. Oh, so much hurt. now wait now okay when she called the excelsior she's calling just whoever the dude is in charge of the shields she's not calling captain elnor is she no she's hailing the excelsior and elnor happens to answer the okay all right all right because i i've yeah yeah i just wanted to make sure because (laughs) paul dubs oh my god she was on the stargazer yeah Rewatch, bro. Yeah. Yeah, she was, this this she episode and, is going to blow your mind. She and Elnor were assigned to the Excelsior, and that's where they were at the beginning of the show. <laughs> there, there's just a lot happening in a very short period of time there, Paul. So, yeah, you yeah. watch it a couple of times. Uh, Sam, thank you for doing what you do and uh, <laughs> messing with us again. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll move along I'm because uh, there are many people to chat with tonight about the uh, Picard finale. So, really appreciate it. And, uh, hey, more complex thoughts we will uh, we'll catch them in the discord okay thanks right. sam excellent see thanks all man right. see ya all right all the way from an ocean away good morning nick how you doing nick <laughs> welcome morning guys a little bit tired morning. if i'm honest but yeah. um but yeah 
really well, you're not rolling in from a party here. this time, are you? No, I literally I, I went to bed late, pretty late, considering I was getting up in the middle of the night at about two a.m. at about midnight, sorry. And then I had an alarm go off at twelve fifty. Like I'm sleeping in a different room from my wife and everything, just to <laughs> wow. come and join you guys. Oh wow, like, yeah, that is you're, awesome. you're in a different timeline of your own right yeah. now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm an alternate. I'm. And just just so I can just take the credit, I was the first one in the chat to say Schrodinger's board queen thing. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, but, um, nice, nice. It was just because she was she was always she was always Agnes, but also not Agnes. Yeah. It was, oh, of course, of course. Just depends on when I, you look at her. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wanted to join you just to say I loved it. I. I, I mean, I know everybody has opinions and this, and they should have done that, and they should. Have. I was, I have ADHD. I have no emotional regulation as it is. I was just a mess <laughs> from like five minutes in until the end, and I just, oh, all the feels, you know, with nice. Seven and Rafi, and then Talon, and then flipping everything, oh. And and Q and Picard at the end was just like, oh. Did did we get just enough of Seven and Raffi to really feel like that story is complete or at least on its feet? Or did we need more of them? If I may, yes, if I may. Please. If you didn't, make sure that you listen to No Man's Land. Yeah. <laughs> the audiobook that uh we have been advertising on the show that yeah because it plays it plays into their relationship relationship. a Mm -hmm. lot yeah yeah yeah, that's very true but i i just like there was something so interesting in this and i I know that i've beat this drum before about seven's transformation and how profound that was and then having to go back and yeah now now at the end she is the same person she always knew but there has to be something also incredibly tragic about that, what she had gained by being fully human. human. So, you know, mm. um, but I, so I, I thought all that we got out of them was wonderful. I, I could have stood for even more, but maybe we'll get more in season three. I think three. that we're going to get more. I do like that. This was like real representation as opposed mm. to like DS nines reunited, which was kind of like skirted representation. Like they sort of got mm. around like the representation of a, of a true relationship between two women. So, mm-hmm. and it was, it didn't feel, it, I don't think it felt forced either. It was lovely. Hey, I'm, it was I'm, lovely. Just, I'm just here for yeah. more uh, Fenris Ranger action and uh, you know, seven being a badass. So, well, seven's a captain of a new starship and Raffi's a captain of her starship. Right. So uh, will this drive them apart? Will this send them on different, parts of the galaxy everybody's a captain it's like oprah you're a captain and you're a captain mm-hmm. and you're a captain <laughs> you know? oh, but that yeah. seven getting the field commission was just that was beautiful yeah. as well like everything yes, was just yes. so emotional she yeah. immediately just, oh. too immediately like knew what to do what to say i she was like in the hallelujah chair. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that was cool that was a great but, moment for her if everyone yeah. i mean nick if you were if you were like um, emotionally impacted by a lot of what was going on in this episode when will arrived in his scene how did you feel because that honestly i i'm so surprised that that wasn't leaked on social media in some way because they pretty much leaked freaking everything i kept it a secret (laughs) but when he came on i'm like wow are you kidding me they got freaking wesley crusher on 
I loved it. And I did like everybody, like a lot of people, I was just, I literally, I think I whooped out loud. I was watching it on my own, <laughs> on my projector at home. Cause I was like, I need to get, make sure I watch this when everyone's out the house so I can put the projector on and have this a big finale. And um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. But at the end, I did think to myself, the John and Norm thing about if you remove the scene from the show, would the show be any, would, would it lose anything from it and i thought that scene was lovely but it was there so that wesley could be in the show it was it didn't really add anything exciting i didn't think well it wrapped up Corey's storyline mm. and what what i liked about will's um cameo which i knew about and kept a secret <laughs> for like a year let <sighs> me finish um, <laughs> I, like, I do think that it was unexpected, though, because like he has nothing to do with anything. And there there are so many other characters that you'd be like, oh, if that person made a cameo, it would make sense in terms of the storyline. Will Wesley Crusher is completely off the map. Like, and that's what I think surprised people is that, like, he had nothing to do with any of the storyline. They just used him to wrap to wrap up Corey's story, which might not even be a wrap up like this feels like the beginning of maybe a spinoff or something. But I also think that they introduced a completely different power curve, you know, to the universe. I mean, the travelers, we thought that Talon and the watchers were of a certain power level because she had all this technology. She was able to pretty much do things that Starfleet could do or better. And then all of a sudden he's in charge of like, or we assume that he's in charge of the travelers, which we saw all the way back and where no one has gone before with Eric Menyuk as the traveler. And that power curve, the Mozart like of these people. So just him being there like changes the 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 playing field in a way with the Q out there, you know, with the Elarians out there, now with the travelers out there and with the prophets out there. I mean, when you really think about it, putting all of that into context, humanity and all the like the lesser alien races, we're all just kind of ants like fighting on an anthill compared to these powers when you think about don't it. don't forget the metrons okay wait wait wait, wait. yeah oh, the, the metrons met- yeah. trones right the uh, metrons. metronians yes. um, metrons the metrons. yes, <laughs> yes. Can, yeah. can i just say because i know some alan is wait, waiting to mm-hmm. come on but i just um, but it's not morning for him it's morning for you dude <laughs> exactly right right this is, like he's on every week i mean God, <laughs> alan geez. anyway i just wanted to say so there was a whole thing going on like between me and my friend and then in on Facebook and everything about the Borg. So now the Borg, there's still the bad Borg out there, right? Because otherwise all of that history would be canceled. So like, there's still like the bad Borg. And then there's the Jurati Borg collective who've just kind of like completely tried to avoid the other Borg. So as not to change her own timeline, in my opinion. Does that, is that what everyone yeah, else is thinking? Well, I mean, I sort of got it that way too, but I mean, bad Borg, right. We, we went through them in the yeah. first season. Like they're largely like, they don't actually exist anymore, but I get, I get the feeling that like Jurati Borg and her collective maybe were sort of removed, mm. which is not the first like section of Borg that has been removed from the larger collective who we see as maybe they'll, the bad guys. Maybe they'll find their way to working, incorporating with the Fenris Rangers. Did anyone get like a bad Borg? Bad Borg, what you gonna do? <laughs> what you gonna do when they assimilate uh, you? Uh, oh, nice, know. nice. Oh, he just came Very up with nice. that just right off the top of his head. I'm feeling, I'm feeling Alan's energy. This is usually stuff that he would do, but I'm stealing from him. Big By the time. way, uh, Dave in the chat asked what I want to do. They ever have a super beings conference? There'd be so many super beings 
games in Trek, and you would have to think that they do. They have like a like a nice Hall of Justice kind of thing that they mm-hmm. all uh, that they all get to go to. I would think so. Um, mm-hmm. Nick, as you pointed out, there are so many people. We got uh, Alan, Cosmo, Paul, uh, Christian, and John all waiting to uh, to drop in here in the next half hour before we get to our uh, Strange New Worlds coverage. So we will say good night or good day to you. And then uh, I will see you very soon. Yes. See you soon in London, John. That's going to be awesome. Awesome, man. I can't wait. Cheers, Nick. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Bye. All right. Standing by patiently. It's our old friend, Alan. How you doing, Hello. Alan? Welcome. He, just, he listens John. in just to steal all of our puns. Yes. And, and why not, right? <laughs> don't, Norm, Norm, don't, yes, don't think I won't take that and, oh, please and do. run with it. Please but, do. But, uh, by the fact, way, by the way, Spencer said I would pay 40 quatlus to get into a super beings conference. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's great nice. until Scarlet Witch shows up and then things uh, just get really bad. Just Sorry. really out of hand. Spoilers. Yeah. Spo- yeah. <laughs> What's on your mind tonight, Alan? Well, first of all, uh, I'm reporting live from outside Wesley's headquarters. His background is amazing. <laughs> In Des Moines, uh, yes. lovely Des Moines, Iowa. That's where so, we always knew that's where they were from. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's that, Surely that's, you know, that's mm-hmm. where they uh, that's where they built the Kelvin Enterprise. That's where the travelers are from. It's all good. No, it I'm is. a traveler. I'm only working outer surely. space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying all the all the commentary so far. Lots of great points being brought up. Um, I think I'm sort of on the I, I think I said my piece a little bit on the discord, uh, but I liked I like this episode. I like this season. I think that I would have liked it a little bit more with one or two more episodes worth of material. Just sprinkle it out throughout the season Mm. just to fill stuff out uh, a little bit more in certain areas, like with Corey and Wesley that I loved, but, but I kind of agree with Nick that it did feel a bit like it was dropped in to wrap up Corey, give uh, uh, give Will something uh, a moment on the show, which was great. But but yeah, something well, else to see, sort of yeah. yeah that, that, that's where I, I yeah I definitely agree because I feel like Corey was a very interesting character with an interesting arc. Her strongest yeah. moments were walking away from her father and mm-hmm. kind of messing with his life. Is she? so interesting so important that then you have to get to the traveler you've got to work all that in as well so like that, yeah. that, that's sort of the the trouble with introducing them together that way. well you know? my thought was when he pulled out the con folder mm-hmm. uh, i sorry. thought yeah. oh this plays into eric soon in enterprise and the augments because they are descendants of like that whole con situation right so if Corey had stayed around and not become a traveler and not gone off like there's the potential for her to change to continue to change the future by interrupting Mm -hmm. her father who presumably what he does now leads into eric soon and the augments in enterprise Mm -hmm. maybe that's who who she's watching it could be like yeah maybe she ends up being a supervisor of that situation yeah, um, I had a question for everybody here. So did some of these moments feel like they're testing out ideas for a future series? Oh, always. <laughs> a little bit. I just want to put it out there. Yeah. And I, I think just just putting the button on 
my thoughts is that the 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 big thing is that I that I didn't like about it as a as an idea is that she didn't really do anything with the rest of the cast. They didn't really know that she was even there. She was just kind of off on her own side quest, which is fine, but at the same time it would have been nice, you know, given a little bit more room to just tuck it all together. Do I think that this could be uh, a future uh, spinoff or a, or a Rafi seven spinoff or a Rio spinoff or any number of things. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, yeah. <laughs> they're going to, they're going to work it if they can. Assignment earth first. Truly. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want assignment earth. Yeah. I, I, I can't disagree with you there. Uh, Alan, any other thoughts as we yes. got a handful of people? Yeah. Or I will say, um, yeah. yeah, just, just like last week, uh, following, following the Michelle Hurd formula of singing out our departing stars, do have a couple more if you'll indulge yeah. me. Oh, Again, oh, right on. This is why these, we're here. Okay. These are parodies. Yes. Uh, 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 you know, special use meant for commentary. Don't sue us. But <laughs> don't sue you. We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. His name is Rio and he's staying in the past. He met that doctor and he made his mind up fast. <laughs> Gotta make room for that next generation cast. So, so long, Rios, our cigar enthusiast. <laughs> and sticking with the uh, the Issa Corey situation, this is more um, relevant to something that happened several several weeks ago. But kind of, uh, you know, it, that this is the 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 thing that sort of uh, spoke to me about her character. Okay. Till now, your dad always kept you at home. You never even asked it till you met you. About your copied chromosomes, why don't you get your a clone? Why don't you get your a clone? A clone. Do you that, practice this? That took yes. so much heart. You know? Fabulous. Absolutely. Fabulous. That is that is why we created this show. Is hey, for moments like that. Literally the only reason why we created yes. this show. Yes. Was for this well, moment. Well, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> Alan, thank you so much. We, ha- we have you. our own uh, big budget uh, space battle. I can see in the preview here oh, coming up in a moment. Really? So uh, we will say goodbye to you and yes. uh, we'll, we'll catch you another time. Okay. Absolutely. Thanks, All yep. right. Talk Cheers. to you guys Take later. See you, buddy. All right. Now we're we're going over to where there was a uh, I think a Miranda class being Miranda chased class, yeah. by the Miranda class else. always gets owned always, always gets owned always Does he have gets a Kel- owned. is that a Kelvin yeah. Kelvin Enterprise I don't know but we'll find out because it, it's Cosmo and James here's the Miranda there's Miranda okay yeah. mm-hmm. and then the salt shaker salt shaker yeah uh, oh. micro machine <laughs> micro oh, machine yeah. Enterprise nice nice they hold up really well these are thirty year old hand me downs wow. and he's taking good care of them and. I like them better than the uh, the modern versions. Uh, That's awesome. Eagle Moss, because look at they're, they're a good size to play with. Yeah, and, sure, uh, yeah, exactly. And, and you got to play with them. them. Yeah, got to play with them. Yeah. And uh, so he wanted to share that. Thank you, James. Thank you, James. <laughs> and oh, the by, Star- by, by, by the way, Stargazer, the OG Stargazer. Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Nice. yeah, okay. that's a hard Stargazer. Yep. 
Thank Very you, buddy. Cool. Class, nice classic. to see all three of you. What a treat. Hey, uh, by the way, Bulletin, this just in, uh, Spencer says, Alan is performing at the Space Beings Conference. Get your tickets now. <laughs> so, yeah. Just oh, we to need make to talk sure to a guy who knows a guy, right? Yeah, only 40 Quatloos to get in. Exactly. Uh, so, Cosmo, what is on your mind tonight? Uh, for me, um, so I have tried my best to just get past the timey-wimey questions that have come up. And just from listening to you guys talk, uh, the Borg thing has kind of... Uh, resolved. I, I like the idea that hmm. you know it was a long journey back to the Delta Quadrant, and yeah, she probably didn't connect and change the Borg Collective that Voyager ran into and that uh, Wolf Three Five Nine. Uh, that would have been a lot for the Jurati Queen to change. So, mm-hmm. uh, where that was a problem for me for the last couple of days, you guys have kind of, and the other callers have kind of resolved that for me, and hmm. she just built up her own collective as she went back to the Delta Quadrant, and then she that's what came through that thing. Hmm. Uh, so thank you guys. The, uh, the Wesley thing. Uh, I had a big old grin on my face when it was happening and uh, the night of uh, I enjoyed it. Um, but in the last few days, it's kind of bothered me that Wesley didn't interact with Picard at all. And mm. it, it's kind of reminiscent for me of the fact that um, uh, prophet Benjamin Cisco didn't go see Jake. Like uh-huh. Wesley yeah. had a heck of a relationship with Picard and yeah. was responsible for some of his biggest character developments. I mean, those episodes where he was on the shuttle with him and really got Picard out of his shell. Those were huge for that character. And he's right and, there on the same planet at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, the, in the moment I said, well, time constraints, they've got so many plot threads to wrap up, mm-hmm. but they could make these episodes 37 minutes. They could make them 85 minutes. It's sure. streaming. It's their world. And like John said earlier, get rid of the drones. Cause that really didn't impact anything. <laughs> and give me a four minute scene of Wesley saying, Hey, guess what? Hi, I'm here. Uh, and yeah. you put them on the trail of something. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's kind of bugged me in the last couple of days. And then I love the cue emotional moments that worked for me, even though I'm still having a lot of trouble reconciling that cue with the mid-season cue we saw and the early season cue. I, I still don't understand Q's plan. Uh, what was yeah. the purpose of him sitting at the cafe trying to snap at uh, Renee? And then mm-hmm. why was he trying to convince? How did that lead to his ultimate goal of having Jean-Luc forgive himself and be happy right right Uh, that just i did you guys have any thoughts on that and how early mid and ended up well my thoughts on the whole snapping thing was that he's you know he's going he's dying so he's like losing his powers in some areas but not all like it's spotty is what i was thinking that it was and i think at the time our thought process was that he was doing something that was bad, Mm -hmm. right? Like he's trying to like snap her out of existence or something. As it turns out, I think in retrospect, he was trying to snap some confidence into her because she was already doubting herself in Mm -hmm. that moment. Um, But then when he was Sigmund Freud, wasn't he reinforcing her doubts? Yeah. These are all very good questions. (laughs) And and then he's the one that puts Soon onto Picard's trail in the first place. So that just confuses me. But it doesn't matter in the end because, like I said, the emotional beats did work for me. And when Q and Picard hugged, I I don't care. 
Yeah, I mean, his motivation is a little bit questionable. Sure. There's always the possibility. I got a Picard and made him bleed. And yeah, yeah, right, right. There's there's always this grand possibility that even Q has to follow a predetermined, predestined course. Mm. You know, I mean, that's kind of like the 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 greater, like the the top down, you know, twenty thousand feet kind of view. Like even maybe only even the travelers can see that. I don't know that. I mean, that's how the that's the kind of sense that I'm trying to make out of all this. Like when Q said, "That's unfortunate and unexpected." Well, everything has a plan until it's not a plan, right? So mm-hmm. we're not exactly sure how he pivoted from that, but he did. Um, going back to Wesley, though, I think that the great tragedy of Wesley not seeing Picard is that I think his maybe his position doesn't allow him those luxuries anymore. You know, like uh, maybe he's like, I want to, I, but once I reveal myself, then this whole tapestry maybe unravels. And that's the weight of responsibility that I have to burden because this is who I am now. I want to see my mom. I want to see all of my friends, but I can't because I've taken this awesome responsibility of protecting the history of the universe. That's the trade-off, right? That, that yep. with, great, with great power comes great responsibility type of thing. Yeah, very so, fair. It was a business trip and he was just there to recruit her. And uh, <laughs> right? that, that, that's very yeah. fair. I mean, I was on a business trip when I went to LA and I said, nope, we're, we're going to go. I'm going to go see John. I'm going to go see Holly. I'm going to go see everybody. I'm going to get drinks. You know, <laughs> yeah. forget, forget being a traveler i'm gonna be a eater and drinker instead. exactly you're gonna be a tourist i'm yeah. gonna be a tourist yeah 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 so. uh nice uh cosmo we got a few other people to get to any other thoughts or uh, nope we'll I'll, I'll make room okay. for everybody else but i'll see you back for strange new worlds excellent we'll see right, you thanks there. cosmo all right paul our first paul i know we have at least two pauls tonight so uh how are you doing tonight sir wonderful I had to, you know, the end of Picard, I had to call in. I'll try yeah. to be quick. Uh, Corey deleting all of her previous files was awesome. Yes. Watching, watching uh, Brent Spiner go nuts. Oh. <laughs> but conveniently just pulled the other thing off. I mean, the guy's, the guy's yeah. evil. He's just, yeah. he's bad. So, and wonderful um, to see him play that, you know. That's uh, how cool to come back to a show 30 years later where you were like the, the most innocent of innocent characters. And now you get to play just you know, the complete opposite. He leans into evil so quickly, though. You know, with you know, with lore, with the songs, he's really good at it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was awesome. Um, so, two points uh, in the Harvath household where we cried were um, Orla Brady or Talon leaving us and Picard. Mm. That was just gut wrenching. And then Q hugging Picard. Who would think, you know, when he was first introduced so many years ago that you'd ever want that to happen? I mean, that was amazing. What an yeah. amazing arc all the yeah. way around. And then the two uh, where we jumped up and down, or at least one of us jumped up and down. <laughs> Michelle had had her picture with uh, Will, Will Wheaton a couple weeks earlier, and there oh, he is. Nice. So that was nice. fun. And then uh, Elnor came back, and that made her happy. So, yeah. Good. I thought it was tied up nice with a bow and happy about the whole season. So there you go. No complaints. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, uh, give Michelle our best. And uh, I'm glad that uh, it was a good feeling all around. Yep. Same thing for Strange New Worlds, but uh, I'll let uh, somebody else talk about that one. <laughs> I, I think there might be a few comments Just coming few. up on that, too. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's welcome in Christian and see if he's going to sing for us. Yeah, so, absolutely. All yours, buddy. <laughs> oh, nice setup, Paul. Way to go. Good. Yeah, I love it. Go for it. All right. We'll catch you, you later, later, Paul. And, and Christian, I love it. You're already set. You got the mood lighting. You got the disco Everybody shirt. Everybody here, okay? Yeah. yeah. You can. You got the Enterprise. Ooh, What's on your mind tonight? <laughs> Hi. Good, uh, good evening. Um, yeah. Just a lot of emotions in this season. This um this episode, I love this finale. It was a lot better than 
first season finale. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, well, well, wait, hang on. What was it? Was it? Uh, did you feel it was more emotionally impactful to say goodbye to Q or to say yeah. goodbye to Data again? Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Both. <laughs> Actually, I'm thinking about that. Jeez, like, John, that is a good question. Gosh. Uh, I did cry, get a little teary-eyed when um, Picard went up and hugged Q. I haven't really like felt like that since Tony Stark died in Endgame. Spoiler. Even though the movie's been out for almost four years now. I yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Christian, is, is uh, The Next Generation th- something, a series that's important to you so that this series has a lot of context and weight for you or is it yeah, just part of um, your general fandom? So I grew up with the Kelvin movies and mm-hmm. then I, after beyond came out, I went back and watched TOS and I, I didn't really get into TOS that much, but then when I finished TOS, I got into TNG and then I was like, wow, I really like TNG. TNG is pretty cool. Um, cool. And then, I, right. then I started watching Voyager I've seen everything but Deep Space Nine and everything. Oh, yeah. you should hey. watch Deep Space Nine. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll don't, don't listen I'll, to anything I said about it. Uh, no, I'll, I'll recommend a companion podcast to go with it. Everyone's <laughs> like, you, you watched Enterprise before Deep Space Nine? What is wrong with you? I'm sorry. The fact that you just said that you grew up with Kelvin. Yeah. What? <laughs> I think that is awesome. I think this yeah. is the coolest thing. I think it's great because that's what every new Star Trek is supposed to, do, well, yeah. hopefully does, mm-hmm. right? Is and you got that beautiful ship right there. Yeah. Christian, can and I, have sure, you been sure, to any uh, Star Trek conventions? Of course, of course. I've been to 55, 55 Year Mission was my first uh, mm-hmm. convention. Great. Um, and then I, I went to Chicago and I, hang on. Second. Oh, oh, we got we got oh, show, show, show and tell. Here. Show and tell. Yeah. I was the only person. Look at this cool room too. Right? Ooh. 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 I was in this the entire. Oh Chicago. wow. Okay, As we're all pod. all full of jealousy right now. <laughs> no, look, the, the reason I ask is that this is something that since. 2009 since that movie came out mm-hmm. that larry always asks his audiences there like what was your first trek and then that's usually followed up by okay then what did you watch after that did you go yeah. like you did you go back to tos did you watch tng what did you watch? and then is your favorite something different from the trek that was your first which mm-hmm. i think is very fair you know yeah i think if the kelvin movies didn't exist i think i would still like tng because my mom and my yeah. dad loved TNG, and I, I didn't, I didn't ah. know about that till I turned like 21. They were like, oh, you guys like Star Trek too? Oh, <laughs> nice. That's, nice. All, that's awesome. That's <laughs> so cool. I love it. It's in my blood, I guess. That's yeah. great, dude. This is the kind of feel-good story that we like to hear. Uh, <laughs> right. So, uh, Christian, but before we move on, because we are uh, sure. so short on time tonight, any other thoughts about the finale? Um, mm-hmm. Just, yeah, lo- loved hearing what you had to say about uh, saying goodbye to Q. Uh-huh. I was still a little confused about the Project Con stuff, because wasn't mm. it Con Noonien Singh, not soon? Anyone else? Yes, Ooh. it is Singh. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, right. I remember so. Leonard Nimoy saying Con Noonien Singh. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, wait, is it soon? There's a lot of there's something? a lot of articles about that. No, Those they're guys. they're they're different family lineages, but at yeah. some point they Presence. kind of crash into each other in about two hundred years? Uh, yeah. Yeah. About 200 200. Years. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Hundred and thirty yeah. 
something like that. So yeah, the, the, the general idea is, you know, you got the Sung family full of evil geniuses yeah. uh, making stuff, but then you've got the, uh, the Noonien Singh family who are uh, partly these genetically altered, genetically Train, yeah. augmented, you know, yeah. stronger uh, evil geniuses. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, so re- thematically related, yes. uh, but, uh, <laughs> but not necessarily uh, genetically related. So, yeah, so there you go. Those last yeah. names are very similar, though. <laughs> uh, at, at some point, there was a they were spelled the same way. Nunyan and Nunyan and Nunyan oh. were spelled the same way really early on, and they had to make sure that they started spelling one of them differently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yep. but they are different. They are different storylines that just. Uh, yeah, thematic. I'm sure somebody like back then is like, is this going to create a problem ever, guys? Or like, nah, <laughs> oh, no yeah. one's going to no. care like, ever. It's, it's, one episode. Episode. Yeah, it's, just, it's on. just a name. What's yeah. in a name? Right. <laughs> so. Christian, absolutely delighted to uh, to welcome you to Mission Log Live. Thanks for calling thank you, in. I hope you. you do it again. Okay. Okay. Thank right, you. So thanks, much. Christian. All right. Bye. Take care. <laughs> All right. We're, we're getting close, guys. We're getting close to the big uh, switch off here to uh, saying goodbye to this series and hello to the next. But we got two more callers to fit in. Before we do that, we have fellow podcaster and friend of the show, John Arminio. John, John Arminio. Welcome hey. to the show. Thank By the you. way, anybody who's listening, uh, John was just a guest on uh, the, the Pink Smoke or the Pink yes, Cloud. The, the Pink, Pink Smoke. Smoke podcast doing this epic discussion about Star Trek V. It was great. I highly recommend it to anyone out there. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. It's just, it it was a really thoughtful discussion about that movie and fun and fun. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Yeah. we we, we tried to make it fun. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what is on your mind tonight, John? Well, I, so Picard is my captain, right? Like he's the one who introduced me to Star Trek um, and he's been my favorite captain since I was a kid. And so I do take when when a show puts him through this much trauma i i come kind of like this is kind of take a little personally um but i'm also looking at the way you know this show used like i, I can deal with the the timey wimey stuff you know the <laughs> timelines don't line that like that's fine that i can deal with it you know, rios rios chooses to stay in the 21st century knowing, knowing there's going to be a world war 3 in a few years like okay sure um but I, what I have a problem with is that there's characters like there's Q, two versions of Guinan, and also Wesley Crusher as, as a traveler. Yes. And so they all have this sort of bird's eye view perspective of, of time of varying degrees. And only Q is the one who seems to care that Picard is going to relive the most profound and life shaping mm. trauma of his life in order to save the galaxy and save the rest of time. And it seems like these people who are closer to Picard than anyone in his life, like Wesley and Guinan would like care that that's going to happen to him. Maybe that's why Wesley stayed away. Yeah. You know, Mm. but, but Guinan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Guinan definitely has always been this, more emotional kind of sounding board for, uh, for Picard. And, and she does give him a pep talk about like, maybe letting yourself like fall in love again. Mm -hmm. But especially you have an actress like Whoopi Goldberg, you know, she's a goat, right? You know, she's, she has this incredible well of talent, like maybe give her something to play with this other great actor about, 
the coming trauma that he's going to have to relive or to sort of having uh, a realization of what he's gone through at, at the end. But it's I mean, she even, very perfunctory. She, she talks about, though, in their last in the last scene that they have together, mm-hmm. how she mm-hmm. had to let him like basically find his own way that she like couldn't tell him, mm-hmm. which is also like, I don't know, an unspoken rule of changing time temporal mechanics interesting thing about with uh, the way that q uh, he, the way he applied himself and the way that guinan applied himself i think guinan trusted her instincts to trust picard and his instincts q i think is very more hands-on he's like nope i need you to see this now right and uh, yeah. those are the two ways that they approached how picard had to confront you know uh, the trauma in his life and maybe guinan was more on the I'm going to counsel you afterwards, but Q is like, you really need to see this before I go. I, if Q wasn't dying, none of this would have happened, right? So he didn't really need to, the, the, the whole impetus of him doing this is because this is the last time I'm going to see my friend. I want to impart on him something that I learned from everything that I've learned from him up until now. So it was this nice little bow tie of thank you. Like he was basically saying, thank you for giving me my understanding of humanity. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want to spare you this pain because now I know and understand everything. So- yeah. And, and I think John Delancey as an actor, like, I think we saw this when he was on Breaking Bad as, as a guest star, like he's able to imbue just a few moments with so much genuine emotion and for him to turn cues so profoundly in his last scene and make me believe it, yeah. I think is, is a testament to his power as an actor. And, you know, Q is a very mercurial character to begin with. He's hard to, pin down as to what his actual motivations are in any stage of his development. But in that moment, I believed him. And, and I guess I was just hoping for similar emotional depths with other characters who have a similar history with, with Picard. And I don't know what's coming because now these characters we've seen have history with him or are going away and we're going to have these other characters come in from from TNG and I I I don't want them to be perfunctory. Yeah. I'm 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 hoping that their appearances are are weighty and, and not just oh hey good to see you again. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think what you're describing, John, is exactly why I could look at a scene like Q's farewell and then the cameo of Wesley, and it's not like I'm bummed to see Wesley. I I get Mm -hmm. he's part of the family, and we haven't seen him in ages because he went off to be a traveler, but emotionally entirely different weight on those scenes. And that's what makes the Wesley scene, you kind of look at it and go like, okay, well, they found a clever way to get him in, (laughs) but it doesn't have nearly the emotional weight of, of seeing this realization in Q's face about this, this bond, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it it was beautiful. And it it made me think very much of, um, you know, uh, uh, well, we've recently been talking about the motion picture and, and how that the whole theme of the human adventure about that feeling of friendship is what it is all about at the end of the day. And a scene like that absolutely drove that very central Star Trek idea home. I thought it was, uh, was lovely. Yeah. And, and just gets at the loneliness of Q that he's a character or that's been alive for presumably billions of years. Yeah. And right. this is right now the most important moment of his life. 
Right. And it's with somebody who's lived for a century, which is such a minuscule amount of time. And I, I, I find that so fascinating. And, and so I'm, I'm thankful we have an actor like John Delancey who's able to, to play that. Here, here. Joe Straczynski, um, the, the writer of Babylon 5, he said that uh, the more important the message, the least amount of words it takes to say. So, you know, I love you is three words. Mm. Mary me is two words. He says the, the one most powerful word that, word that anyone can say to somebody is goodbye. Mm. And that was Q's snap. That was thought, his goodbye. I thought you know? it was shark. I thought that was, <laughs> you know, that's the other word. Okay. You know, and, okay. and land shark being the second one being yeah. two words. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Right. Those moments are profound. It's fine. Yeah. Truly. Yes. Uh, hey, John, thank you so much. We, we've got just like seconds before we jump into the other. So sure. I want to get our very last call in. Pleasure to see you. And uh, we'll catch you later. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, John. All right. Cheers. And uh, wrapping up our very last thoughts here on Picard season two. Welcome back to the show, Cherie. How are you doing tonight? Hey. Doing all right. Are you good calling you from an again. alcove? Are you yeah. He's calling okay. from the good Borg? From the it's Borg. collective. Yeah. The good Borg, the kinder, gentler Borg. Mm-hmm. Well, these are the ones from Lower Deck, so not kinder. Well, how are you doing tonight? What is on your mind? Uh, so when uh, we were watching Picard, I was watching Picard with my sister, and she had a really interesting idea that I that I really liked. Um, I don't think it was the writer's original intention, but since they never really explained the whole penance thing, like what Q was supposed to be making Picard do penance for, like you could kind of, I felt like infer from different things, like maybe like his guilt over his mother or like other things. I don't know, but I didn't feel like it was particularly directly explained. Um, uh, She was thinking it could be, um, that uh, they didn't figure out the Borg when Q first threw them at him because uh, she was thinking that, like, the the Federation has these utopian ideals, but they've done nothing but fight the Borg. Um, and uh, Gerardi finally figured out a way to make the Borg good and sort of reflect the generation, the Federation's ideals of utopia. Uh, so, like, just the whole idea of, like, yo, you this is your penance for not figuring out this challenge I threw at you. But in, in a way it's kind of, I was thinking it could also be a penance for Q himself because he, he's the one who threw the Borg at him mm. in the first place. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah. I like that little, little karmic uh, justice there. <laughs> yeah. So what, what do you guys think the penance was like in your um, interpretation of the show? I mean, I like I like the uh, idea like the Q is again, he's coming to the realization that he's that he is going to end. And uh, for many people, at least many people that I have met uh, throughout the course of my life, you know, that's one of their big moments is that during last rites, they want to absolve themselves or have their sins absolved through penance, you know, to whoever is performing their last rites so that they can leave that you know, wherever they are into the next life, if that is your belief system, you know, without any regrets, without, you know, the, uh, the sins of your past to weigh you down. So I think that's where, I think that's the gift that he wanted to give Picard. Like, I can't do this alone. I can't free myself or absolve myself from the, from the guilt and the blame of what I've put you through. If you learn the lesson I'm going to give you through this gift, then in some way, you're going to help me cleanse myself from just the, the trial that I have put you through. Maybe that's what he was getting at. You know, I don't know. I'm not a, 
omnipresent, omniscient super being as much as I try to be, but just to start in the cards. Uh, but I do think that his friendship with Picard, it's they're two halves of a whole, right? They complete each other in some way. And Q has the ability to be able to make these changes to people's lives on this monumental scale. But at the same time, though, what they learn, he learns. So I, I think that's this, there's something that's extremely powerful about uh, a being who's supposed to be able to do everything and at the same time can do nothing to affect the change within himself. That's what Picard is to him. And I think it's a very precious gift when you realize that about somebody in your life that, that you take for granted maybe and say, you know what? There's a reason why I orbit this person because this person makes me better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and that realization, I think, is what Q came to towards his end. If that makes any sense. No, I mean, I agree with you. (laughs) In retrospect now, I think the penance that he was talking about was for himself, which at the beginning, I was like, this is a penance that he expects Picard to put on himself, but it was on him. It was on cue. I I love that. Uh, Sheree, I think with with that, that is a great place to uh, leave it there for kind of the final thesis on what happened in Picard. And I hope you're going to stick around as we start our coverage of Strange New Worlds. Yep. (laughs) Excellent. All right. We'll we'll see you very soon. Thank you always for calling in. And, uh, hey, we're just running a couple of minutes behind. That's not too bad. So we'll do the Mm. world's shortest break here and just say, everybody who hasn't joined us yet over at the Mission Log Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash mission log, and therefore gotten the benefit of joining our Discord channel where there is all kinds of fabulous conversation about Star Trek and all kinds food. of other science food. <laughs> yes, other science fiction and food and Star Trek and food and travel and conventions and food and collectibles mm-hmm. and food. It's all happening at the Mission Log Discord and it's great. You get to join that if you join us at Patreon, patreon.com slash mission log. Many of you in the audience right now are members, but some of you aren't. And remember for about a buck a month, you can join and be part of that convo over there. Patreon.com slash mission log. You know, got to say it three times for it to stick. All right, look, that was it. We just wrapped up all of Picard season two. We got through the finale. We did our ad. And now it's kind of a big moment because um, Holly, you were so, I mean, we knew right away that you were going to join us for uh, Discovery. And Discovery has been a lot of fun to chat about. And then you got to stick around through Picard. Yeah. And that's been fun. And, you know, just like with Ashley, Ashley joined us for Lower Decks and then stuck around for uh, Prodigy. And then she's going to come back to Lower Decks. So we we have these special guest stars like yourself who get to join us for all the new series. And tonight we introduce a new special guest star. Yeah, we do. Holly, I hope that you've had fun with us. I have had fun and I am happy to hand it off to our new guest host. Bravo, who is online with us right now. And her name is Heather Barker. Yay! And Yay! welcome to the <laughs> welcome, 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 welcome. all around. <laughs> welcome Hi. to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Now I need to switch my brain out of Picard mode and into Strange New Worlds mode. It's not oh, easy, but we'll do no. it. Yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> uh, so, Heather, welcome. Holly, we will see you very soon. I mean, you know, we're we going to see you at the office. Soon. But Bye, yeah, guys. so we'll see you back online soon, too. Thanks, Holly. Bye. Um, Heather, for our friends here who may not know your podcasting background and your current podcasting Mm -hmm. work, give us like the the nickel tour, if you would, please. 
I'm all over the place. Um, <laughs> I was over, so I was over at Tricorder Transmissions for a couple years, three years. I don't know. Time flies. Um, and started Shirley Podcast, which is basically born of going to STLV uh, year after year after year and wanting to share my knowledge of that convention with other people. Um, and so I, I did that. And then I did Disco Trek, where I invited fans to come talk about the new episodes of the shows, much like you're doing here. Uh, gosh, what, what else have I done? I don't know. I'm, all, I'm here now. That, that <laughs> you're works. here now. And um, uh, you're very prolific on Twitter. You, know, you're, you're, you bang the Twitter airways pretty, uh, pretty consistently. Yeah. I, yeah, I like building community over on Twitter. Um, so I do a lot there. I help admin uh, the Star Trek unofficial Star Trek convention experiences. We changed the name of the group. It used to be unofficial STLV group on Facebook um, for people attending conventions. So I'm there. I've now got um, a couple groups on Twitter and on Discord called the LLAP Collective, which are just happy places to come talk about Star Trek and not worry about bullies or the, the usual junk that finds its way onto Twitter. Um, so yeah, I, I'm Batleth Babe on Twitter. Come find me, but it's really for me about just getting to meet other Trek fans. Cause that is just the spice of life. Nice. And, and they're all here welcoming you in chat. Yeah, right? So many, I know it's very, very cool. So, um, well, look, we have the luxury. We've already gotten all the intros out of the way. We did our ad, we did all the stuff. So now Norman, well, see Heather and I get to sit back for a minute and you get, give us the recap of Strange New Worlds episode one, which I believe is called Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds. Clever right? that. So yeah. I'm going to let this one breathe. I'm not going to kind of like rifle through with the way I did the card because that was that was fast. Hey, just, uh, just give us a shout when you're done. You're ready say. for us to so, join in, okay? <laughs> here we go. So, uh, Strange New Worlds. All right. <laughs> Am I stalling? Sometimes my it? internet I think, gets I think a little stalling. Yeah. So, oh, okay. oh, that's just so cruel. What? So, uh, okay. I hate it when this happens. Heather, can you see? You seem to be reacting to me in real time. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Yeah. All right, John, are you reacting to me in real time? All yep. right. Is it just yep. me? Have yeah, I? It's just you. I think I've broken the transwarp barrier with caffeine. <laughs> you broke it. <laughs> Here we go. Season one, episode one: Strange New Worlds. Somewhere deep inside a military bunker, a group of unknown humanoids stare in awe at their main monitor as an identified flying object comes into focus. On Earth in Bear Creek, Montana, Captain Christopher Pike is undecided about returning to duty, but that decision is soon made for him. During his afternoon ride, Pike is interrupted by a Starfleet shuttle ferrying Admiral Robert April. He informs Pike that Una, his first officer, has gone missing. Ready or not, Pike accepts the mission and returns to the Enterprise. Meanwhile, on Vulcan, the newly engaged Pring and Spock are interrupted by Captain Pike via a communicator. Pike informs Spock of Una's situation, and Spock prepares to leave immediately. However, his decision puts his Enterprise plans on hold, wrongly presuming that she approves of his decision to leave at this stage in their relationship. On board the Enterprise, Pike and Spock do the best they can with Enterprise's current state of readiness, or lack thereof. On the bridge, formalities are quick with La'an Nunian Singh introducing herself as the new chief of security and acting first officer. After a brief yet noticeable freeze in giving orders to disembark, Pike orders Helm Lieutenant Ortega to hit it and the mission is underway. Later in his quarters, Pike confesses to Spock that he is constantly plagued by his death experience at the Klingon monastery on Boreth. 
But Spock advises Pike to lean into this information to become a better captain. Upon reaching Kylie 279, they find the USS Archer, but no crew, of which there are only three, Una being one of them. A suspicious La'an recommends shields, and soon after, Enterprise is hit by primitive missiles. Spock discovers that a warp signature on the planet isn't a ship, but a bomb. Needing to find Una immediately and blend into Kylie's society, Pike turns to Dr. Mabenga, whose hand-picked geneticist, Nurse Christine Chapel, uses resequenced Kylie DNA to make Pike and the away team look native, if the therapy holds up, that is. After a series of close calls where they almost blew their cover, Pike and his team rescue Una and her crew from the Kylie stronghold. Una tells Pike that the wormhole created by Michael Burnham was seen by the Kylie from space, and one faction of the Kylie reverse-engineered Federation technology into a warp bomb to destroy their enemies. Flatly ignoring General Order 1, Pike and Spock meet with the current Kylie government. They refuse to listen, so Pike has no choice but to reveal Enterprise in orbit and prove that there's always a bigger stick out there in the universe. After learning a surprise moral lesson from La'an about the difference between surviving and living, Pike returns to the Kylie deliberations and shows them the near annihilation of the human race and the path the Kylie are currently heading down. Hoping this will persuade the Kylies to negotiate rather than fight, Pike also extends to them an invitation to join the United Federation of Planets. Back on Starbase One, Admiral Robert April informs Pike and his command staff that they were cleared of violating General Order One, which has been reframed as the Prime Directive. La'an, uncertain of her next assignment, is offered a commission by Pike, who has chosen to continue captaining the Enterprise. He tells La'an that out here in space, there is room for tremendous growth. Back on the ship, the crew is ready to leave for their next mission. And with all crew finally reporting for duty, including one ANR engineer and a mustached Lieutenant Samuel Kirk, it is time for the Enterprise and her crew to continue boldly going where no one has gone before. And yes, Cadet Uhura, that is very cool. The end. Nicely done, Norman. Thank you again for doing double, triple duty this week, actually, because we're recording regular mission log, which is your week to write. That That's mm-hmm. a lot on your plate. So I thank you for that. If I may, before we jump into the, the comments, can I say, and I'd, I love the other shows, but it's so exciting to say Enterprise, Spock, Mike, <laughs> Uhura, La, uh-huh. I mean, like all these new names, I mean, Chapel, I mean, there's... I'm a big fan of TOS, and it's just it's exciting to say the Enterprise again, like in conversation. So let, let me ask both of you this, but I promise our callers we will get to you momentarily. Uh, but I, I just had this thought that, you know, the, the difficult thing for Strange New Worlds is being new, but also old. It, it has to harken back to TOS, but it can't seem like something that's stuck in the past, you know, and I've always said this for anybody who says, well, Star Trek needs to look and be just like it was in the 60s. To me, that says, okay, now you're cutting off this huge audience because you're telegraphing to them that Star Trek is a thing that is stuck in the 60s. So is this a show then that if somebody were to ask you today, I don't know what Star Trek is. I don't know where to start. What is Star Trek about? Like, if I had to point to the original series, there are certain episodes that I go to, like uh, Corbin Might Maneuver, that I think lays out kind of the, the template of what Star Trek is. There are certainly episodes of TNG that do that. Um, some of the movies maybe on their own or maybe more likely in combination do that. Well, what about this? We've got one episode so far of this new series. 
Heather, what do you what do you think? Like, is this the kind of thing that, as a singular unit, you can point to and go like, "Oh, yeah." Well, if you're trying to figure out Star Trek, here it is now. I think it did a pretty good job for a pilot or for you know a premiere episode. Um, Star Trek is a vision of the future. Like it. The vision of the future in the 60s is very different from what it is now. So, of course, it's it's going to be a little different. Um, I think that overall, um, one episode still had core elements of Star Trek in it. I mean, we we still have characters that are familiar, which I love that while we have some, some you know, legacy characters, we still have characters that we know of but never really got to know, like Una. I'm just mm-hmm. so happy to see her and get to spend time with her, Dr. Mbega. Like, I am already fascinated with him. So to me, that brings a little bit of that familiar familiarity along with even just having the scores and the sounds. And to me, the look still fits. Uh, you know, we've got jelly buttons again. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Um, yes. So, and I think that when you look at, you know, we're, we're going to a planet where we're showing them the very real reality of what, what we've, ex- well, what they've experienced. I'm not on mm. the show. I'm not there. I want to be. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, going, going to a planet where, where you, you have a crisis and you have people on the verge of war and saying, this is what, this is where you're headed. And if you don't, um, it's, it's going to be a very sad situation, but we've been there and we know. So why don't you come with us? And I love the fact that they asked them to join the Federation at the end. Um, that just, it felt like a, a perfect, a perfect solution um, for seemingly great, um, a great new species to, to explore and bring. Like, it was really cool. I'm excited. I, Sorry. I, I, yeah, <laughs> that's great. I, I, I want to come back to that question about uh, them joining the Federation, because I, I do have questions. And I, I think maybe our callers might uh, have some too, because I thought that was uh, an important moment in the show. Um, and I guess uh, to kick it off, I'll also say that there was something I really appreciated about this episode that when when a lot of fans who talk about what they love about star trek they say that it has its roots in this you know political social message about the future and about humanity's place in the future and every now and then star trek comes along with an episode that as i've said on mission log reaches through the screen grabs the audience by the lapels and says no you see this is what you can do if you get your act together humans and this is one of those episodes that does that if it's not you know half black, half white on one side or the other in 1967 or 68. Now it's 2022 and it's, hey, world, hey, earthlings, stop tearing yourselves apart with things that will lead to civil and world war. This, you know, you can actually be better than that. So I I love that even in an action adventure show, even in a pilot, there is something as audacious as doing that just reaching out with a message. I mean, what I loved about this pilot is that you can see it in two ways. So I watched it with Carol, who's not as as indoctrinated in Star Trek as I am. So she's watching it from a completely fresh perspective, from is this a... Is this a logical, solid narrative that makes sense to the characters? You know, are they earnest? Are they earned? Do they have earned moments? You know, are their character arcs believable and do they make sense? And and she was really on board with a lot of that. So it passes kind of like a, a newer fan perspective. But when I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, 
they've repackaged a taste of Armageddon into this really interesting new perspective. This is mm. what happened on Kylie is basically what happened on Vendikar before they went to war, or they would have been at war with each other for maybe 500 years and sanitized their war, you know, going into disintegration tubes. Is that what the species is supposed to be about? And then the Federation comes in and like, no, like we can give you, we can offer you something that we have seen for ourselves firsthand. And that's something that's actually flips the script with Star Trek, because sometimes we see humanity having having gotten past a certain point in our evolution and seeing our mistakes in other races, as opposed to using our mistakes to influence other races. And I thought that was a really bold choice in the storytelling saying, look, folks of 2022, (laughs) this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. Folks of the future, this is what's happening in 2022 that we're referencing in the future. It's it's (laughs) a wonderful way of folding the reality in on itself and makes it very, very pointed. And I think that's something that, you know, like you said, John, uh, it's something that, you know, TV needs to do, you know, reach through the message of what it's trying to say and then wake people out of complacency just because it's entertainment. Right. Well, let's see if some of our callers agree with this. And we will uh, start with Chris, who has been standing by patiently and nice wallpaper, the the enterprise uh, hovering above his head. Thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I very frankly Google change the world wallpaper at about six fifty five. <laughs> I was like, come on, I need something. What? Need there something. you go. That's Google good. delivered. So, well yeah. done. Well so, done. No, um no, change the world oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful, man. <laughs> I mean the other stuff is great, but ooh, Strange World Worlds, it just hits that spot. Sort of to what Heather was saying. It's a wonderful pilot. Like everyone I I get their deal. I get why they're here. I get sort of their purpose. I am immediately in love with Jess Bush's chapel and will yes. continue to be in love for yes. the next 10 episodes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's wonderful. I'm curious, who got, who did you guys gravitate towards? Because obviously I'm Camp Chapel, but I want to hear about you guys. I'm curious. I, I will tell you right away, okay, I think Nurse Chapel is great and, and great in a way that you can take an existing character and somehow magically make it your own, make it new, but also just feel like she belongs. Like she's just been there. She just fits. She's part of the crew. Like I thought that was uh, whatever magic that is. It all worked really well. However, my favorite line in the entire episode, and I told Norm this when we watched it together the other day. Shark? Um, it was a shark? Oh, no. Uh, that was from another episode. That's an upcoming episode. No. All right. <laughs> my favorite line in the episode is uh, after Pike ask uh, the doctor to dispense some wisdom and he says never order the house dressing (laughs) and i just immediately i was like this guy is the coolest he is funny he is dry and he's right so i I love i am such a fan of mbenga now and i can't wait to see more of him oh oh and and speaking since we were talking about uh uh, chapel as well i loved their familiarity with each other yes. because when yes. when the when the alien when the kylian escaped and there was like oh we got another one of these on our hands boom we know how to work together like that that was shocking. john you love the double hypo though you could I not get enough the, of the double, the double hypo. hypo you thought it was hilarious <laughs> just, and her self-satisfaction with that right? just, oh, gotcha gotcha yeah so hyped about knowing that guy totally yes. pike and all of them when they have to go down i'm like that's that's a good Starfleet officer. Right, He's ready right. to hyper anyone in a moment's notice. Good job. So that that that, that was mine. That was Chris's. What what about you guys, Heather? Uh, for me, so I really love Celia Gooding, and I thought that 
Uhura was going to just like, I mean, she, I love her. Um, I love the, like, she's got some moxie um, and just, she's very playful. And it's a side of Uhura that we, we sort of saw in TOS, but, but not, not a lot. I wish that we had gotten a bit more of Uhura. And I think that we will. Um, I've only seen this episode, so I don't know what's going to happen next. Um, But it was actually Laan, um, Nunian Singh, Mm -hmm. who like, grabbed me and ran away because the actress herself is phenomenal. Um, But I really liked her when they went to the planet. Um, It's like she, the way that she played, even though it was still her, like in the makeup, she just, something shifted and she just was a very beautiful character there. It's hard for me to explain. Um, I'm just very, very smitten, but it was especially at the end when she was telling, um, Pike about her story where Una saved her and I'm just really fascinated by what they're going to do with this character I was a little frustrated that they were bringing on (laughs) uh, this character because I wasn't quite sure what they were going to do with her and now I'm just uh, I can't wait to see nice Norm well, I mean, I was going to say runner up easily, um, Sam Kirk, you know, pulling the rock Ingersoll, you know, energy from <laughs> Galaxy Quest. I mean, come on now, porn stash and everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, in all honesty, I mean, I'm with Heather. I, I think that Christina Chong, she just blew me away. Uh, La'an Nunian Singh was a character that I found a little problematic, again, fr- just from, you know, first glance of who this character is, the name, Nunian Singh. And maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the point where you're looking at one thing, you're focusing on one thing, and you're creating these, um, this prejudgment of, is she going to be part of the Nunian Singh legacy or is she trying to create her own and forge her own path i mean i i can't remember who i i was having a, a text chat and like hey you know what how many people with the last name hitler changed their name after world <laughs> war ii pretty much everybody yeah. right yeah. so maybe that's who this character is she's trying to create her own path and then being sidelined by the gorn and having them wipe out her entire sleeper ship that may have changed everything so christina chong's performance though was captivating in so many ways the pain the guilt the shame um and all of that reserved in this buttoned up version of the federation officer who refuses to show weakness for whatever reason uh you can only maintain that for so long and when that opens up when she and maybe it's going to happen with una but when that opens up and shows you more of her character i think we're going to be in for a real pleasant surprise there's going to be a lot of uh, texture and layer to this character, and I'm looking forward to it. By the way, I want to jump very quickly to a couple of comments in the chat here, because uh, Chris Riker points out correctly that uh, Captain Pike mispronounced Mr. Call. Uh, <laughs> so you are correct. You are correct. And then um, let's see. Oh, wait a minute. There, there are a couple more here. Ooh, ooh, I miss it. Oh, there, there we go. Uh, Dominic says large outdoor screens means fascism. And you're right. Yeah. Spend, spend five minutes on Cardassia Prime. That is absolutely correct. And then uh, Carlos says Pike has an LCD TV. He does. And look, I, I will say, I will share with you now that I have this weird fantasy about having, you know, my my nice modern TV, okay, but putting it in a frame that looks like it's from, you know, the Monsanto House of the Future from mm-hmm. Disneyland about 1959. So I, I, I'm i not totally off track here about, about his whole aesthetic and that beautiful Dude, Montana home. He had know? a phone. Yeah, he had a yeah. phone right next to communicator. It's like right. if you can't like like literally like create like the most perfect a juxtaposition aesthetic like on the show, 
it was right there. Okay, right so like, in in my bedroom, there's like I there, there's I, I know right yeah yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, there, okay. there's you know there's the Apple TV, there's a little uh, Wi-Fi router thing in there, there's HomePods, and then there is a 1939 Bakelite phone from the Queen Mary. So nice. you know, old and new technology can coexist. They can, that. You know, they can do that. Um, all right, uh, Chris. <laughs> any other thoughts about uh, Stranger Worlds tonight? Uh, just one little, this is kind of a nitpick, but it's also just kind of a bit, uh, the elevator scene where they're like, how'd they get a work core? And Una's like, she's not cleared for this. And two seconds, two seconds later, Una's like, okay, let me tell you about the yeah. wall. Like yeah. she couldn't be like the battle pike. <laughs> like, like right. did you have to say wormhole to the future? Like right. that, se- that seemed Una gave up the ghost real quick there on that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There, there was like a wink, like, hey, yeah, exactly. remember? Yeah. Um, but I, I do have to say this, like, of all the ways that you can tie these different shows together, and some of them really hit you over the head, or in my opinion, spend too long with that stuff, or not enough time. To me, that was like the perfect amount. Because we didn't have to relive everything. You could just see that one little shot and go like, yeah, that, that was actually a reality of a thing that happened to us now here are the repercussions so those you know handled pretty well chris thank you so much we will see you again soon all right all right stay safe see you around take care bye-bye bye all right moving along now to this guy uh the the songsmith of the mission log airways oh boy Are there songs? I'm excited. Oh, there, there were. Hey. There were songs. Um, well, no, I, I heard the um, like you don't already have songs because I expected there to be songs now. Like, oh, well, don't disappoint. Are you not on top of this? We have a brand no. new co-host. Oh. Alan knows songs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, actually, we do kind of we we've got a musical reference if that's all right. Because um, we're we're right smack in the middle of uh, a science fiction double feature here, guys. Oh yeah. No, okay. <laughs> Hey John, hold on a second. Yeah. So I have a new I have a new show for uh, for Alan. It's called Minstrel Log. <laughs> oh, wow. okay. Nice, nice. Yeah, for our new uh, our good. new songsmith. Oh man, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But going off of that, I mean, it was right there off the top. You know, Michael Rennie was ill the day the Earth stood still, <laughs> but he showed us where he stands, and so did Christopher Pike. My goodness, what a yes. what. What a what a what a pilot! What a kickoff! Um, yeah, I, I I agree with you guys wholeheartedly. This was a great episode, um, great way to start off a series, great way to start someone off with Star Trek. I mean, outside of like, okay, you're gonna get some flash forwards. There's this guy uh, who keeps seeing himself in the future because he knows how he's gonna die. That's really all you need to 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 you know onboard somebody with, and then you just let it go, and it just tells mm-hmm. itself from there. Um, yeah, I, I loved it. <laughs> I like the subversion. Did you guys get? I mean, I appreciated the subversion at the very beginning, where you think that it's like you know somewhere on Earth, and they're in a bunker, and they're looking at you know they're looking at uh, screens and compiling data then all of a sudden the camera pans around and it's an alien race you're like yep Ooh. that's some that's, that's some, so neat that's, that's so some voyager enterprise stuff right there that is sci-fi e 
you know, yeah. of the nineties or, or the Orville. I, I had a lot of Orville-y vibes, you know, from <laughs> yeah. this. And I, I used, yeah. I say that as a compliment. I say that as a compliment, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. You guys were just talking about uh, Laan and uh, to me, I'm trying to think of the character's name, but uh, Halston from the Orville, very, very similar vibes. Oh, oh gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Her. Yeah. Her character. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, Oh, what else can I say? Uh, as far as uh, tie-ins from Discovery, um, yeah, it's classified, but damn, it's got a shuttle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> very true. I think yeah. technically that one though can can be towards the actual scientist. Uh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. he still exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- there okay. is that. Yeah. True. 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 Did that, yeah, sp- good did, that, did that shuttle have a spore drive? That's like saying that there'd <laughs> yeah. be more than one Kirk. What are the odds? <laughs> Come exactly. on. That's nice. ridiculous. <laughs> Nicely said. Um, I, I want to uh, I want to talk about cool uh, space hardware for a moment because something that I forgot to mention when uh, we were talking about kind of, you know, favorite characters or, or endearing things. Or, there is so much that is very endearing about this uh, pilot episode. And I also want to share that one of the things that when uh, Norman and I watched together uh, that caused a pause and a freeze frame and a rewind and a rewatch was the moment of taking the classic TOS communicator and putting it in a video frame so then you have video communication with that communicator. We've been waiting 56 <laughs> years for this. Yeah. It's been, like, right? Right? No I, lie. So John and I yeah. were watching this in his office. When that moment happened, we were both like Leonardo DiCaprio with like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We were like, ooh. are <laughs> like, what? What is that? What is hey, that? They got a dock. There's a oh dock. Oh my god, it's so cool. Why didn't they do this 56 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely genius. To me that is such a great and clever way of kind of reinventing the tech to fit along with, you know, our, our modern expectation. I love the shout out to the USS Archer. I thought that was great, although I still wonder why that ship only had 3 people on board. Mm. That's a little strange yeah that is just a little odd um but yeah oh, oh and i also there's another thing that uh, that we freeze framed on norman and that would be that old school planet graphic yep that uh yeah where, where they spock showing off and you got the text and you got the whole thing and it just absolutely looked like tos mm-hmm. but modernized i mean and if you that was really like, yeah, if you really comb through all the details, I mean, like the the bucket chairs you now have the spindly feet to them. There are a lot of kind of like the vent motifs, you know, like that mm-hmm. 60s-ish pattern. Again, you and I, when we both saw it, uh, the turbo lift for the first time with the handles, we're like, ooh, handles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's, this the series isn't short of incorporating the details and kind of like the touchstones and some of the hallmarks that, yes, of course, to original series fans, they're going to be heartwarming to see. Let's see what else was there. Oh yeah, the tricorders. How can yes. you not like? Not, I mean, every time I see a tricorder, you just see Dax from you know Deep Space Nine talking about you know the the black plastic and the silver aesthetic, classic tree design. <laughs> exactly. So it there, they did a great job with all of that, no doubt. Good yeah. stuff. Good stuff. Um, uh, by the way, Jim in the chat says I got some pseudo Talaxian vibes from the look of the Kylie race at times. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So. 
And then, and then our very own Earl, our very own technical director, Earl, says that it only takes two people to fly the USS Porthos. Um, Just and a man and his best friend. Right. <laughs> he's probably right. You're probably right. So, uh, all right, Alan, any other thoughts before we uh, move along to our next yeah. call tonight? Yeah, if I may be uh, a little bit serious, I, you know, I can't say enough about the speech at the end mm. uh the 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 pike speech i guess we'll call it now yeah. um mm-hmm. partially but mostly because i think you know star trek has given us this great view of the future but it's also um you know and pike says you know we've got the we've had these struggles and i think that um in over the course of the the, the the run of the series and the run of all the series, it's almost felt like the, the two kind of get intertwined for the fans. And it doesn't just apply to the show, but we start to think of it in our real lives. Like, yeah, things could be better in the future, but it's going to get a whole lot worse first. Mm. And he is saying emphatically, no, you don't have to do that. I know what my future is. The Federation knows what its future is. Mm. The future that the people of Kylie have and the future that the people of 21st century Earth and the United States, we get to make of it what we want. And we don't have to spend 300 years messing up our planet just to get it to a point where there's nowhere else to go but up. We can do that today. We can make that change and like you guys were saying earlier, it just means, you know, uh, embracing things like peace and understanding and equality and truth and rejecting things and people that lead us towards division and, you know, the inevitability of, you know, another civil war in America because it doesn't have to be. Nicely said. I I 100% agree. Well done. Well done, sir. As I might say, um, what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? Yeah, exactly. As I walk on through this wicked world. (laughs) (laughs) It goes goes back to what Kirk was saying in A Taste of Armageddon. You know, like Pike could have been saying this to the Kylian leaders. It's like, all it takes is for you to not kill today. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's all it takes. And like I said, that's as you can tell. I can get a lot. I get a lot of Taste of Armageddon vibes from this episode. Oh, <laughs> yeah. sure, right. sure, Very awesome, good. Alan. Thank you so much yep. for joining us. Yep, Until John. Time. John Norm, it's as great as always. Heather, nice to meet you, and uh, nice hopefully, we'll you. have many weeks of conversations ahead. All right, Thanks, cheers buddy. to that. Take care. Yep. Adios. All right, so. Very happy to welcome back to the show for his second call ever on Mission <laughs> Good for Log you. Live, both in this episode. It's Christian. Christian, welcome back to the show. Hello, hello. Hey, buddy. how you doing? All right. Doing good. So talk to us about Strange New Worlds. I thought it was an amazing episode. I, I, I don't know. I'm so speechless about it. It's I was all my friends were sending me the Michael Scott memes of uh oh my god it's happening everyone can say calm you know <laughs> but yeah I was I was just like jumping for joy like as as soon as uh, the theme song started rolling and I was like wow this we've we've come a long way is why it's so amazing um I know Alan just uh, mentioned it too but the shuttle pod stamens I love the little references to disco 
Like, I don't know. I just, and mm-hmm. it was really cool. I was so ready for Pike to say black alert when he sat down in his captain's chair uh, sure, <laughs> and just the sure. Homer Simpson. Don't oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what did he just say? Well, <laughs> I'm sorry, Sean. Uh, but um, Kristen, you said earlier that 2009 was your first introduction to yes. Star Trek, and that mm-hmm. it, obviously that is a reinterpretation of the classic series. This is also a reinterpretation of the classic series. So, right, right. how how did you, as a fan, look at both of those and, and try and, and make sense of just kind of like the, the subtle differences, but uh, very similar tones in in what you've seen since it's so fresh for you now? Yeah, I remember when I started watching TOS. Um, I was a little confused in the first episode. Because I was like, that's not William Shatner. Who, who's this? Because I was, it was my senior year. So I barely knew anything about Star Trek. Um, <laughs> but I just kept watching it. And then this captain didn't want to be captain anymore. And I was like, oh, what is this? I don't know. And then second episode, William Shatner, soft reboot, different pilot. Now I understand. But um, I like the different tone of it. Mm. Speechless. I don't, I don't know. It's just so cool. <laughs> what, what, what is the what is the tone that you're picking up on? What is it that, that speaks to you here? Oh my gosh, Ooh, that's, a, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Actually, we only ask good questions on the show. We don't ask. <laughs> how would you How would you say it's different from Discovery? Hmm. Um, I do like that it's more episodic. Um, back hmm. to roots. For Star Trek is what everyone was saying. Mm. For Discovery, the difference—it was just one season arc, the entire entire season, obviously. And I, I did feel it dragging on. Like the galactic barrier was a good um, ep- um, example. It's like, oh, we're just warping this entire episode. I was like, oh, I just want to get to the end. <laughs> if one more person says the word uncertainty, <laughs> but yeah. Um, I do. It's like a fresh breath for the franchise and um, for Strange New Worlds. It's yeah. Can can we can we stop all this Star Trek talk for a moment and just acknowledge mm-hmm. the fact that you have an adorable puppy in your lap? Right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. I know. Oh, I know. This is. Oh know, my god. god! I know this is a Star Trek podcast, but this is Kylo. Oh, <laughs> look at that belly. Kylo is adorable. He's a German Shepherd <gasps> um, chocolate lab mix. He's Whoa. just turned seven weeks old. What? Wow. Say hi, Say hi to everybody. Oh, no, just woke up too, so he's probably looking his paws are huge. <laughs> like, what is happening? Yeah. Oh what is gosh. Star Trek? He's almost yeah. 15 pounds. This is what the vet wow. said. You're going to have a big boy on your hands he's based on those paws. Please make sure boy. you neuter. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm completely already. in love with Kylo now, and I expect to see him back on every show. Yeah, you're going to be of buying course. Puppy Chow in bulk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Christian. Any any other thoughts on uh, Stranger Worlds before mm-hmm. we uh, move along? I did like the comedy in it as well. Like, I love the line. I'm all ears from Pike. <laughs> I, <laughs> yes. I instantly thought of the scene from Into Darkness when um, Chris Pine's walking out of the elevator and goes to Spock ears burning. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice. So yeah, yes. I, I hope we see more of that. But yeah, it's everything's so it's, it's exactly what we were promised. It's, it's so awesome. 
Dude, your I energy like, is awesome, dude. Yeah. Yes, I like Christian because it's Christian hard, it's hard and I, to speak. yeah, we're very similar in that. That we're just like, ah, I was so great. Ah. Right? <laughs> if we could bottle that and sell it, we would sell so much yes. energy. Yes. Right. All right, Christian, take care. I hope we see you again soon. Okay. Thank you so much, guys. Okay. Have a good right. Thanks, bye. 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 All right. Coming back to the show, then it's Cherie. Hello. Your bridge Welcome is so shiny. Back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're muted. You are muted. We can't hear There we go. You. There you are. All right. <laughs> hey, look, by the way, before you jump into Sherry, there is unnamed, but I'll name her now, the uh, navigator. You know, we have Jenna Mitchell sitting right next to mm-hmm. Sherry. So yes. just want to say. Oh, there we go. There she is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I expect more. I expect more that, that there will be much more of her. So do I. There has to be. Yeah. There has to be. So here's the strange thing. But so, yeah. so we have a Mitchell on board and we yes. have a Riley on board. Oh dear. And it had Nooney and Singh on board. Are they running out of last names on this show? Well, don't forget we have we still have call back. Oh uh, right. so that's good. Yeah. But look, but if we get a Finnegan, I'm out. I'm done. I'm quitting the show. <laughs> See, I thought I thought Pike was like it's some weird southern Montana draw, like, hello, Mr. Cowell. I'm like <laughs> is that a draw or is it weird? So uh, he, he has a call draw. Maybe it was his first scene and he was just nervous. That, that That's you know? probably it. Yeah, that's, I think so. Yeah, he's yeah. very green at all of this. By the way, I want to find that red jacket that Mr. Kyle's wearing because I want to rock that thing. I want to be like his stunt double, right? <laughs> you, so, you could. Yeah. You could. I love it. All right, Cherie, what is on your mind about Strange New Worlds? So actually, I want to talk about some of the news that uh, has been circulating about I mean, we, we saw the other Lieutenant Kirk, yeah. um, and that wasn't um, James Kirk. Right. But I've heard news that there is going to be actual James Kirk in the second season. And I am concerned because I do not want them to try to replace Pike or overshadow Pike in any way. <laughs> What are your guys' thoughts on this? Oh, uh, well, I think we all have many thoughts. Uh, uh, Heather, you want to you want to no, start us off? I don't. I, I don't want that either. Um, yeah. I want to. I want to see Pike through and through. But then again, we know what happens with Pike. Um, I'm very interested in how they are going to handle uh, Pike's journey with with be knowing um, his future. And I thought in the first episode, they did a really good job of kind of saying, okay, like, yes, it's scary. He's traumatized by it. But at this point, it sounds like he's in a good enough space where he's going to use that to his advantage to be a better captain. I still wonder then how we're going to get to the version of Pike that we've seen before. Uh, I don't, I don't know where the timeline is. I don't know where things could happen. I think it is completely possible that at some point Pike is is no longer in the show, and then we do have a Kirk. And I don't know how I feel about well, that. Well, actually, he magically yeah. knew that it was like ten years. Apparently, the, the right? magic crystal, Klingon crystal, yeah. also is like gives you a timestamp of exactly yeah. when this going to happen. Ten like, years. <laughs> well, and, and it's a little unfortunate too because you know here he is showing up at this planet saying your future is not written. You can do this, but here is somebody who feels it to his very core that his future is written and uh which is tragic on its surface anyway but i i think it 
it, it lends this unique quality to a Starfleet captain that we have never seen before. You know, if you just sort of, if you had a word for all of the other captains, you know, Kirk was the cowboy and Picard was the diplomat. Um, Cisco is uh, part God book burning that I, I don't you know, want to get into it. Uh, and that, you know, and Janeway is like the, the matriarch, you know, really holds this crew together as a family. But now you have this guy who walks around with this weight and at the same time is absolutely doing the best job he possibly can for his crew. Like it, it, it's this, even in the moments of levity, they break those up. When when you do this kind of maybe playing a little bit too much, but he sees his reflection in something, you just go like, "Oh wait!" But he's also walking around with that. Yeah, you know, he has PTSD. Like that's yeah. what PTSD right. is. These flashbacks, right. and yeah. I know there's been discussion about how they're handling um, the dialogue around what has happened to him because in the in the show he said, "I saw my death," mm. um, and. Technically, you would say he's disabled in the chair and Mm -hmm. we don't want to define a disability as a death sentence. However, I think that there's going to be a much longer introspection on this and that we shouldn't jump to a conclusion because he, he doesn't necessarily even know what he saw. Like, yeah, he saw himself, but that could have been a prelude to, oh gosh, how do you exist in a wheelchair, confined wheelchair? Um, I, I'm, I'm hopeful, um, Star Trek hasn't always done good, especially by disability conversations. So I, I'm very curious to see what happens. And I would like to see um, what if there's interaction between Pike and Kirk and what happens. Yeah, well, okay, that that takes us back to our Pike and Kirk conversation. And and honestly, I'm very happy with uh, George Samuel Kirk being introduced here. And I liked, um, I know that there was some uh, controversy, a little criticism, because in TOS, James Kirk says he was the only one who ever called him Sam. Uh, but, but, uh, there is an immediate familiarity and a little bit of an oops when he calls Captain Pike Chris. So we know that there's something special mm-hmm. between them. So I, I kind of like that. I, I don't want everything to come back to James Kirk. And that is the most important thing that ever, ever happened in Star Trek. The same way that I don't want Sarek to be the most important father who ever lived in Star Trek because he's terrible um you know i like sarek well look i I like sarek i I don't like him as a father (laughs) you know i like as a diplomat oh he's awesome as a a wielder of logic fabulous uh maybe as a dad yeah maybe you got room for improvement (laughs) what i what I'd like to impart on 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 the listeners and and what I want to encourage more people to do as they're watching Strange New Worlds is not use what has been brought before as established, written in stone um, information, because once we start doing that, then you create an artificial barrier that you are comparing this show to, you know, and that's and that artificial barrier is fifty six years worth of history of. A particular show being dissected over the span of decades yeah. by so many different people, by so many pairs of eyes, by so many ways of life. And that doesn't give a show like this a chance because everything like he didn't call, you know, like you said, only only James T. Kirk called his brother Sam. Right. Well, 
someone told me like, hey, only your mom calls you normie. No, many people called me normie. And now you all know that too. And that's how things change, right? That's how narratives change. I encourage people to watch the show on the merit of its quality, on its storytelling. And sure, are there going to be Easter eggs and ties to the past? Well, in this case, the past, the future, yes. But at the same time, though, there are so many open opportunities to tell great stories as long as you're not beholding to the shackles. See how I tied us back to Picard? The shackles of the past, (laughs) right? Because that leads you to no stories, right? All it leads to are um, these writers trying to fulfill everyone else's expectations, but their own. Right, right. Right. So that doesn't give us any opportunity to learn or experience anything new. And yes, are there going to be issues or mistakes? Of course there are. But really, how important are they in the grand scheme of things, you know, in the grand scheme of great storytelling? Yeah, you know, we we talked before um, uh, the the whole uh, Spock to Pring thing uh, bothered me not not because I, I don't think we should have some you know uh, hot Vulcan sexuality. I think that's great. I think we should bring that. That's fine. I think we should explore all aspects of Vulcan culture. That's great. But if the only thing that we know about Spock and Tapring is that they've only met when they were seven years old and that we don't see or hear anything about her again until TOS amok time. And then it's this fight to the death with Kirk. Um, but if that's the only thing that we know, then why try to change that? Like the, the Dupree character here honestly could have been anybody could, could have been another girlfriend could have been somebody else. And then that wouldn't have changed my perception of that. However, I say this having only watched this and I don't know what the future plans are for that storyline. There was something in the trailer that obviously shows that they're going back to that. So I'd be curious how they do it. But you know, that's the sort of my taste for what is, what is written in stone per se in the canon, which I feel like it should all be fair game. But why are you making the choices that you're making when you go back and revisit something, you know? So we'll, we'll all get to learn together when we get there. Yeah. It didn't bother me that it was to pring, but it did. Um, I did feel like we know Vulcans can have and do have sex outside of Ponfar. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I, it, it's always been in Star Trek that that's kind of so, not something that they are. They, it seems like they're kind of ashamed of, like they don't really like to engage with that very much. And it makes sense to me since Spock is half human, you could make an argument of like him being different, but Tapring is completely Vulcan. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that she would be super comfortable with PDA and just like, yeah. it, it seems that seemed that was the weird part for me. Yeah, fair, fair. Uh, any other last thought before we jump over to Cosmo? Um, no, no. All right. Thanks. All right. Well, we look forward to more of these. We'll talk to you soon, Cherie. Take Thanks, care. Thanks, Cherie. Bye. Bye. All right. Back to Cosmo, who it looks like he is in Jean-Luc's ready room, and it looks like uh, Livingston is back there, happily floating in the background. Oh, that's I good. Hope. Yeah, it is the Livingston. Enterprise. So I have a yep. bone to pick with you, Mr. Champion, because you okay, said please. Livingston pick, did not survive. Well, you said Livingston didn't survive generations. Yeah. Uh, now, according to Memory Alpha, sure, uh, but in an un- <laughs> they did build the set 
for the fish tank on Enterprise E, and that is what is pictured. Oh, in- hey. okay. okay. So, now, could it be another fish? Sure. Did Spot maybe eat Livingston? Maybe. <laughs> but in my head canon, uh, Picard, yeah, he got the book and left and forgot all about him, and that's really not cool. But Reg Barkley went back and saved Livingston and brought him back to the Enterprise. No, so, Re- Reg, Bar- Reg Barkley went back and he did like a Brady Bunch, and they were like, <laughs> the, the fish didn't survive, and they were like, somebody go to a pet store, get another oh. lionfish, call it Livingston, and just say, oh, look what we found. Livingston's fine. Oh. And then, you know. That's, fish, that's is, so- fish is future guy, let's just admit it. Um, so i'll keep this super quick um i I adored this episode uh i I think it might be the strongest pilot in trek history um it it was really solid uh there were so many beats in there that i loved uh i I loved anson mountain beaming into the contentious thing just on high (laughs) that was awesome uh i i really appreciated it i I was kind of dreading, oh, great, another character with trauma. We just dealt with Jean-Luc mm-hmm. with having Romulan trauma mm-hmm. and mom trauma, mm-hmm. and we got Burnham with all her traumas. Mm-hmm. And I love that they have Pike able to confide in Spock. That was a great scene mm-hmm. between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful that at the end of the episode, he says, I'm a lucky man. And I'm sure yeah. it'll come back up, but he also has number one to confide in. And so I'm, I'm not dreading that anymore. And... Um, I already feel like I know the uh, transporter chief of Enterprise better than I know a third of the cast of Discovery. It was great to see the cast <laughs> and the crew utilized and doing things, and everybody just seemed really competent. I loved when Nurse Chapel ran into the sick bay and just yells, "Hey, activate the emergency medical transporter!" And the doctor's right on it. Boom! No yeah. conversation needed. Just I got yeah. your back. And Uhura's scene where she comforted and distracted the alien was great. Mm-hmm. Just uh, episode was phenomenal. And my only gripe that didn't sit well was, okay, so these folks in a year were able to uh, build a warp bomb just from seeing through a telescope a bunch of starships. (laughs) So if I go back in time and show John Champion an iPad from 30 feet away, you'll be able to build an (laughs) iPad. I don't know. But I I don't care. Uh, The rest of the episode was so dang pleasing that – all the way around great uh, debut and i loved the opening credits uh, i had yeah, such a big smile on my face when he, and the music it was a nice update and uh still owed to the original and I, I i loved the the monologue i'm glad that's back and yeah uh just having a ship flying through space so uh, a plus from me and i'm so excited for this and to meet the rest of the cast very cool yeah. All right. Although well, yeah. um, we don't know if the Kylians are like the Sigma Oceans, and they had great, you know, they had a great mm. skill for mimicry. So, you know, being able to leave, you know leave behind any technology that they can, you know, uh, build and adapt. We don't know what their their talents are. They will be a great addition to the Federation. Yeah, <laughs> but for now sure. that they have that, uh, um, but yeah, it just very fun episode, and I'm super excited for the series. Cool, awesome. Cool, cool. All right. Well, thank you, Cosmo. We'll see you again soon. Appreciate it. And uh, let's see, we're going to go right back to Sam. Sam, who's going to, oh, he's going to blow our minds again. Is that what's going to happen? No, no, no. The back <laughs> half of the back half of the hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, not, nothing mind blowing this time. Just um, I, a couple of things I really liked about this episode so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, I really liked the opening with the, 
the 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 alien race being excited about first contact and and you don't know it's an alien race right away and then you yes. see you know the starfleet starship appear and then we show them that's so cool yeah and um uh and i and i really liked um how upbeat all the crew were um it seems refreshing mm-hmm. and and you they wouldn't have to do that necessarily because you know in the pilot original pilot and the main pilot of tos it's established that yeah it's space we're here it's okay yeah. <laughs> but this was still refreshing to be like yeah no this is cool <laughs> absolutely it was yeah yeah um i i do want to ask because uh, we brought it up early in the uh, in the discussion and i believe heather you brought it up you're talking about the uh, the kylians joining the federation i uh, is it too early did that like is this potentially a problem somebody just compared them to pack leads as far as their uh yeah they're they're uh sort of taking technology and maybe not being ready for it and then somebody of course followed that up with red alarm um (laughs) but i but i wonder so that they're not a warp fairing society they were about to blow themselves up. Does this hand them, like, is it too much of a reward that they are able to join the Federation? What do you guys think? I feel like it was like extending a handshake. Like, let's like not you're in, but mm. let's talk about how we can lead you to a better place because you're not just going to, you know, you, you can leave them there and let them do what they're going to do, but we're the Federation. So we want to give you that opportunity uh, to come on board and be better. So I, th- I think it, it would be more the beginning of the conversation because, yeah, you don't know them. It's, it's extending a hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then probably another 100 years or more before they can actually <laughs> like. Well- Fly, fly to a meeting because they don't have warp drive yet. <laughs> I think what Pike was also being cautious, like, you know, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Mm-hmm. So all you can really do is manage expectations mm-hmm. and allowing them entrance in the Federation. Like, you know what? It's very well possible that you were going to get her on your own, but that's, we're already past that point. So we might as well shepherd you in the right way, as opposed to letting you vie over this power source that you have really no understanding over and destroy yourself. So I think yeah, this may be the better play. Let's let's kind of go with the handshake of friendship and bring them into the Federation so they don't actually, I don't know, turn their weaponry on us, too, at some point. Yeah, right? good point, good point. Um, I think that's all very fair. Sam, any other uh, final thoughts? Uh, you, you may have already discussed this, but um, did, what did you think about the, the footage that seemed very recent being used? Mm. Yeah, uh, we haven't talked about that, and uh, I'm I'm of mixed feeling about it. Simply because you know I want Star Trek to have a position of advocacy where it can and where it should. Um, I also want Star Trek to stand up as kind of an evergreen metaphor as well. Um, so, you know, certainly we'd make a choice about having a shot that is very definitely from January 6th of <laughs> 2020. That That is a calculated thing to put that sort of message in the show. 
I don't think it's out of step with the messages of the show. I don't think it's wrong for Star Trek to have uh, a certain position on that. But, you know, we've talked about this in other contexts as well, which is, are you making sure that you're getting Star Trek's very important message out to the widest audience possible? Are you in some ways creating a barrier for that potential bigger audience? Uh, you know, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to that. So, yeah, I don't know. How do you feel? It, it The message makes sense to me, but it also, it kind of like, it kind of like pushed me back to see real world footage in the fiction as opposed yeah. to some sort of generated uh, similar footage. Yeah. I'll tell you what else uh, is also a little bit of uh, mind bleepery is that, um, and I'm sorry for a terrible transition because I'm going to lighten the mood here by saying that this episode firmly establishes that uh, Silent Running, the Valley Forge, is now Star Trek canon. Oh, yeah. And that uh, Robert Wise is Star Trek canon. Not just because he directed the motion picture, but because he directed the Daily Earth Still, which Captain Pike is watching on his giant LCD TV. So Robert Wise exists in that universe, as does Silent Running. So there you go. <laughs> Sam, thank you very much. And uh, I believe we have maybe a, uh, a last comment, commenter, who joined us here at the tail end. Ma'am, would do you, do you have a comment to share with us? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he just put me back in here. Um, <laughs> I'm very excited about Una. Yes, that's it. That's it. <laughs> okay, bye. All right, Every, bye. Everybody, screenshot this. You have all yeah. the hosts, all the ones there right you now. Go. That's it. That, right. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Take care. Um, and Norm and Heather, I'm not going to see you guys for a few weeks. So uh, any any last thoughts from you two about tonight's episode of Strange New Worlds? Sorry, you're not going to be here. Have a good time doing whatever you're doing. I will. I will. I'll, I'll, I'll share it with everybody. <laughs> All right. So with that said, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live by the infrangible Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcasts. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Special thanks to Holly Amos, who has been fantastic here on Mission Log Live, helping us cover Star Trek Picard Season 2. And once again, welcome, big welcome to Heather Barker. We're very excited to have her with us on Mission Log Live. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later. We look forward to reviewing the next episode of Strange New Worlds on Mission Log Live with you next week. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.